Now on to the report. Welcome back to Reborn Report. I'm DJ Pfeiffer. And I'm Don Pfeiffer. And this week, Dad, we circumcised our microphones. <laughs> we want to keep up with the Jewish tradition. Yeah, we want to make sure our <laughs> microphones stay under the law. <laughs> well, what he's meaning is we took these windscreens off. And we just want to see, uh, we never recorded without them. Mm-hmm. And we want to see if it's a little clearer sounding. If it makes any difference at all. or Yeah. I mean, it makes it, the microphone look a little less bulky. Well, the purpose of a windscreen is to get rid of the pop and the breath, but these have, these microphones have built-in windscreens. So we'll see what it does. We'll see if it sounds any clearer, see if it sounds any better. Who knows? Well, what are we talking about this week? Well, last week I mentioned I wanted to talk about the difference between natural selection and the theory of oh, evolution. Yeah. We were talking about dinosaurs last week mm-hmm. and how man lived with dinosaurs and well, that's, DJ, you brought up a good subject, and I'm glad. So this week we're going to talk about natural selection. But first, I never got sponsored for San Francisco Bay Coffee. Since Francisco, maybe because you maybe can't Maybe that's why that. I need yeah. the windscreen. <laughs> so today, although I love it and I still drink it, today. You're trying out a new sponsor? We're looking for a new sponsor. Zero Gatorade. You know, Gatorade's got, I didn't realize how much sugar is in Gatorade, but the zero Gatorade doesn't have any sugar. And we've been trying to cut back on sugar and carbs. You know, you lost quite a bit of weight just doing that, sugar and carbs. So I got zero Gatorade. So I, you're trying to get sponsored by Gatorade now? Yeah, if San Francisco Bay didn't come through. So maybe Gatorade. You know, big athletes get sponsored by Gatorade. (laughs) Not little people that do a a small podcast. Not not guys with a big white beard. Hey, we can try it. So, DJ, I think this is an interesting topic um, because the more I thought about what you said, you wanted to talk about natural selection because, you know, the big debate has always been what's right, evolution or creation? Right. You know, um, Science throws a lot into evolution, a lot of theories and ideas. And I said last week how they package a lot of theories and ideas that are not really scientifically proven under the name of science. Right. And that, that's really kind of wrong, but uh, it, it kind of deceives people a little bit. But what is really the right way? I mean, I mean, people say, well, I just believe in the Bible. Well, that's good. You have the faith to do that. But... Is there a way to scientifically prove if evolution is right or if creation is right? That's a very interesting topic to me. And uh, one that when we went to the Creation Museum answered a lot of questions for me. Well, when you become a Christian, you gain God's wisdom, you gain the Holy Spirit, you gain faith that you didn't have before you got saved. And so now you have an ability to think God-like, but before you're saved, you have a, people have a lot of questions, especially right. young people. Yeah, and uh, I believe that when you said you want to talk about natural selection, I started thinking about it, and you know, there's a common thread that is in both the creationist and the evolutionist worldview origin, hmm. the way they look at how things started. What do you mean by that? It's called natural selection. Oh, okay, sure. That's something that they both have in common. Uh, but both views views can't be right. 
right? Both the creationists can't be right and the evolutionists. But they do have one common idea of natural selection. Natural selection. So I started thinking about it. Maybe if we better understood what they have in common, nat uh, natural selection, that may just might help us determine what the real truth is between evolution and creation. Because if the creationist believes in natural selection, if the evolutionists believe in natural selection, then if we really figure out what natural selection is and how it works... Maybe that will lead us in the right direction. Yeah, that may just determine what the truth is. It's a good idea. So let's do that today, Joanna. Sure. Okay. Um, let's look into the workings of natural selection. Okay. Well, first, Dad, evolution is defined by an evolutionist as the theory that all life forms are directionally descended from one or several common ancestors mm -hmm. that were present on early Earth three to four billion years ago. That's a long time ago. It sure is. Charles Darwin called it descent with modification. Okay. And the definition of natural selection by an evolutionist it is the process in nature by which, according to Darwin's theory of evolution, only the organisms best adapted to their environment tend to survive and transmit their genetic characteristics in increasing numbers to succeeding generations mm -hmm. while those less adapted tend to be eliminated. Okay. They die off. Right. And it's the evolutionary change that's based on the differential reproductive success of individuals within a species. So I like that last sentence you just said. So they're claiming that natural selection is really one of the main mechanisms for their process of evolution to work. Right, exactly. Okay. That's interesting. Now, let me give you the same thing that you just said, but from the creationist perspective. Okay. The creationist is a person who believes that God created the universe and all the life on earth as it's recorded in Genesis in the Bible, just like God said. They define natural selection as the process whereby organisms possessing specific characteristics in their genetic makeup survive better than others in a given environment under a given selective pressure. And those with certain characteristics live and those without them diminish or die. Hmm. Now, if you think about those two definitions, they're, they're, not, they're, they're pretty similar. Yeah, it sounded very, very similar. And so both the evolutionists and the creationists use the process of natural selection in supporting their worldview origin starting point, right? We, like we said. Also, the creationists would agree with the idea of that Darwin said, the descent with modification, mm -hmm. as you said. In this respect, uh, that the species we have today do look different from the original kinds that God created. An example would be, say, the great variety of dogs we have now compared to the original created dog kind. Right, all the different breeds. Right. But the problem for evolutionists is that natural selection is non-directional. Hmm. Let me explain what that means. Okay. Say the environment changes or the selective pressure is removed, okay. then the organisms with previously selected characteristics are less able to deal with the changes and are often selected against. Because their genetic information has decreased. I understand. And this is a huge problem for mole the molecules to man theory and the type of evolution which, because it not only requires but relies on progressive directional change. Right. Everything has to evolve forward. Right. So the truth is the term evolution cannot be rightly used 
when describing what natural selection can actually accomplish. Wow. That's, 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 a, pretty, pretty in, that's a pretty good insight. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Wow. But before we examine how natural selection actually works, I think it's important for us to take a look into the historical background of the discovery of natural selection. And I'll tell you why. You see, most people give Charles Darwin the credit for formulating the theories of natural selection as he described it in his book on the origin of species during the late 1850s, right? right? But you might be very well surprised to know that Darwin only popularized the idea. He actually borrowed it, that's saying it nicely, from a creationist named Edward Bly. Yeah, I've heard of him. You see, Bly published several articles describing the process of natural selection in the magazine of natural history between 1835 and 1837, which was a full 22 years before Darwin published his book. Mm. And here's what's even more telling, DJ. Parts of Darwin's book on the origin of species, the parts about natural selection, are nearly word for word Hmm. from Bly's articles. Wow. That's a true fact. You can look it up. So Edward Bly was really the one who came up with the ideas of the of natural selection. Right. There were others, but he was the uh, one that came up with the most information about it. Exactly. But you see, Bly differed a lot from Darwin in his starting assumptions. He believed in God as the creator rather than the blind forces of natural selection that Darwin believed in. Right, you said he was a creationist. Exactly. Um, Bly believed that God created the original kinds, just like it's described in Genesis in the Bible, and that all the modern species that we have have descended from those original created kinds. And so he believed that natural selection acted by conserving rather than originating, Mm. as Darwin believed in his theories of evolution. That's a good point. Can you see the difference, what I'm saying? Yeah. Bly also believed that man was a separate creation by God, like the Bible says, because the Bible says that humans are made in the likeness and image of God, right? An attribute that can't be applied to the animals. So Bly viewed natural selection as a mechanism designed by God to allow his creation to survive in a post-sin and post-flood world. Exactly. This is very different from how Darwin tried to represent natural selection. Right. Uh, Listen to what Darwin said, DJ, referring to what he believed in and wrote about natural selection in his book on Origin of Species. And I'm going to quote, What a book a devil's chaplain might write on the clumsy, wasteful, blundering, low, and horridly cruel works of nature. End quote. I kid you not, that's exactly what Darwin said. So then answer me this question. Why are we still teaching Darwin's theories of evolution in our public schools today? Have we really lost our collective moral minds? If you believe in God, you should be extremely upset by what's being taught to your kids in school. But I need to stay on topic before I really go off here. But... The truth is about natural selection, it's exactly what its original author, Edward Bly, said it is. Natural selection 
is a mechanism God used to allow organisms to deal with their changing environments right. in a sin-cursed world. Like you said, post-flood and mm-hmm. post-sin. Especially when everything environmentally really changed really quickly after Noah's global flood. Think about it. Exactly. So it's like this. God foreknew that the fall of man and the flood were going to happen, right? Well, he knows everything. Right. So he designed organisms with a great amount of genetic diversity that could be selected for or against, resulting in certain characteristics depending on the circumstances. Wow, I never thought about that. That's, that's, that's a good way of putting it, Dage. Right. And that's a good way of describing exactly what natural selection is, mm-hmm. I think. And the great variety of information in the original created kinds can only be attributed to intelligence then, right? Sure. God. Certainly not, as Darwin said, some clumsy, wasteful, blundering, low and horribly cruel works of nature. No. What a joke that is. I'm telling you. Why do people believe that kind of stuff? It's like somebody comes up with a radical idea and all of a sudden it's in our science books. It's pretty depressing. So the truth about natural selection is that it works to preserve the genetic viability of the original created kinds, like you said, Mm -hmm. by removing from the population those with severely lethal characteristics. Am I right? You're right. saying that? Yes. Uh, Natural selection acting on genetic information is the primary mechanism that explains how organisms could have survived after the fall of man in Noah's global flood, when the world changed drastically from God's original perfect creation. Yeah, everything was perfect when God first created it, right. the environment and everything. As well as accounting for all the genetic diversity that we see today, I might right. add. Right. And you know, people believe in God's creation and and uh, Noah's flood and all that, believe that the Ice Age came after or was a result of the flood. Right. And so look at how... The Global effect, cooling from all the water. Yeah. Look how that would have affected the animals mm-hmm. and, and, and the genetics. If they didn't have the ability to adapt during those right. times... Everyone would be dead again. some <laughs> did. And some did and some didn't. Right. That's why they find so many... Uh, the woolly mammoths in, in, in the ice and stuff because right. they didn't adapt very Saber-toothed well. Saber-toothed tiger, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Also, theologically speaking... Death entered the world as a result of man's sin, right? Mm-hmm. So death is in the world as a punishment for man's disobedience to God. And it should also remind us that because the world is sin-cursed, it needed a Savior. And thank God he saw that coming too, like you said. Right. And he gave us Jesus Christ, his Son, as an atonement for our sin. Praise God for that. But still, death itself it's not a good thing. You're right. First Corinthians fifteen twenty six, I believe, calls death an enemy. Well, that's a good point. It does. But always remember this. God is love. And in his infinite wisdom, he can make good come out of anything, even death. God makes good out of death itself. Think about that. Hmm. How awesome is that, DJ? It's pretty amazing. Natural selection... Though fueled by death, helps the population of different organisms to get rid of the genetic defects. Right, exactly. Now, I think it's important for us to take a look at what natural selection selection can do, what it can accomplish, and what it can't do, what it can't accomplish. Mm. 
because I think that will help us discover the real truth about evolution and creation. Right. So we're going to give you four scientific facts about natural selection. Okay, and you're the guy to do it. Number one, natural selection can decrease genetic information. Yeah, it does. We already said that. Right. But natural selection cannot increase or provide new genetic information. Right? Good point. Number two, natural selection can allow organisms to survive better in a given environment. Okay. But natural selection cannot allow organisms to evolve like in the molecules to man theories of evolution. Right. Number because th- it's non-directional. Exactly. Number three, natural selection can act as a selector. Okay. Selecting what is bad needs to be eliminated. Mm-hmm. But now... Nano- but natural selection, therefore, then cannot act as an originator. Mm. It works with information that's already there. Right. Number four, natural selection supports the many varieties we see today that over time come about from God's original created kinds. Okay. But natural selection cannot support the evolutionary tree of life. Right. (laughs) Which claims that all the species today are descended from one common ancestor, like you said, which itself, that common ancestor, would have evolved over billions and billions of years from non-living chemicals. You mentioned the the evolutionary tree of life. I took um, evolutionary biology my first semester, an, an undergrad at UB, and I had to memorize that entire tree of life. Really? Every single organism. Wow. Did you do it? Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I got a good grade in the class, so. That's some pretty telling scientific facts, DJ, about natural selection, what it can do and right. can't do. Now, without going too deep into genetics, because genetics, genetics 101 as far as I can go anyway. Well, I took a genetics class that was an entire semester long, and I could go real deep into genetics if you wanted. <laughs> But I want to present a very simple illustration on how natural selection works. And you tell me if I'm wrong. Now, DJ, because your mom and I raise Kapapu dogs, mm-hmm. um, let's use the example of, say, varying hair length in dogs to show how natural selection works, okay? okay. Now, there are many different dog species today, some with long hair, some with short hair, right? Right. Um, and the original dog kind that came off Noah's Ark would have had to have several variants of the gene for hair length. So let's use capital L to be the variant for the gene for dogs with long hair. Okay. And let's use capital S to be the variant of the gene for short hair. Sure. Okay. Now, the original created dog kind would have been a mixture of these genes, specifying hair lengths, including both the L and the S gene, right? So it would have been like medium hair. Well, so it could, yeah, they probably would have had medium length hair, but they had, they had the code in their genetic system for both. So basically, uh, I mean, I don't want to get too into it, but basically what you're describing is a situation where the two genes are co-dominant. So... Right. They blend together to form a new type of... Right. Um, well, I'm going to get into that just a little bit. Okay. Now, when the original um, kind, the LS dog, had both the long and short-haired short, short hair So gene, medium hair. Right. When they mated, 
their genetic variability could be seen in their in their puppies, right? In three ways. They could have LL puppies that would have long hair. Sure. They could have LS puppies for would be medium length hair. Sure. And they could have SS puppies for okay. short hair because each parent gives a gene in the puppies and hair. Well, the way you describe that in is that a right? genetics class that? is using a Punnett square, which is basically like a square with like, it looks like a window frame. Yeah. So it's like f four boxes. Yes. And you use the one. I've seen those. One allele. That's actually where I got this information yeah. from. So basically there's a 50% chance that they have a sh medium hair puppy, a 25% chance they have a long hair puppy and a 25% chance yeah, they I'm have glad a short you, hair I'm puppy. I'm glad you said that. But they had the possibility for all three. Right. Exactly. If, right. Now, Going on further with your demonstration, if the two long-haired dogs mated, the only possible outcome for their offspring would be LL long-haired dogs because the long-haired parents no longer have the S or short-haired gene. Oh, you're saying if both parents are LL dogs, right. long-haired dogs. Because they both have LL, there's no way to get an S in there. Okay, so they, they lost the information like we right. talked about earlier. And therefore, they are not genetically capable of producing offspring with medium or short hair. Okay. Now let's apply this to a life example. Okay. This S short hair loss may be an advantage if the long haired dogs lived in an area with colder temperatures. Of course they'd want long hair. Right. The long hair would be naturally selected for as they would survive better in that given environment, right? Yeah. Okay. And eventually the majority of that area's dog population would have long hair. Right. The S variant would be just gone. Right. But the loss of the S variant could be a disadvantage for the long-haired dogs if the climate eventually became warmer. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, it got hot. Yeah. So because of their, their decreased genetic variety, the no S gene, they would be unable to produce dogs with short hair, right. which would be needed to survive in a warm environment. Okay. So in this situation, the LL or long-haired dogs would be naturally selected against oh, and would against, eventually die it'd work, off. It'd work against them. Right. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? That yeah, makes sense to you? Yeah, sure it does. That's basic genetics in yeah. a nutshell, right? Well, genetics and natural selection, evolution. Well, natural selection works off the genetic information. Exactly. Now, even though this is a very basic and simplified example, it does illustrate that when the animal's kind originally came off Noah's Ark and began spreading and across the earth and multiplying, mm -hmm. how that genetic information and genetic variants would favor some animals and not favor others, right. depending on where they were and what. Exactly. So by using what we said that natural selection can and cannot do, we can see that A, through natural selection, genetic information, the variety was lost. Exactly. Yep. Never gained. Right. B, the long-haired dogs survive better in cold environment, and they're less able to survive in hot environment. That's common sense. Mm -hmm. But we sold why that happens, and vice versa for short-haired dogs, right? And C, the particular characteristic that we're talking about, hair length, in the dog population was the part that was selected for, mm -hmm. okay? And D, no matter what, dogs are still dogs <laughs> because the variation within the boundaries of the kind, in this case, is the dog kind. Right, exactly. Right. So that natural selection of designed variation within the dog kind is not an example of evolution. No, it isn't. 
because it does not lead to the formation of a different kind of animal, such right. as a cat, a horse, a, do- a monkey, a cow. Or a human. Or a human. <laughs> no. You, uh, it, it, a dog stays a dog. It changes its looks. It changes its genetic makeup as far as hair length and other. We just talked about hair length, but there's many other things. Right. But it never changes from one kind of animal to another. Right. Instead, you know what it is? It's evidence of God's grace. Think about it. In supplying his creation in altered environments, mm-hmm. in a post-sin, post-flood world, the ability to survive. They have right in them right. the ability to survive in all kinds of climates. So you mentioned that a dog is still a dog, and that means that no matter what breed it is, they still can mate. Right. So a dog is still a dog. They still right. can mate. They you still can, can change have, the look of it. They still can still have offspring together. Right. So that leads us into what I want to talk about next, which I want to talk a little bit about, not going too in-depth with, is speciation in regards to natural selection. Okay. A species can be defined as a population produced by a parent population that has changed so significantly that they can no longer breed with the original population. Oh, so it becomes a new species. Exactly. Speciation. Okay. Using our example of dogs, it is possible for that long hair variation of dogs that they might change sufficiently and other changes besides hair might also be selected for Mm -hmm. living in cold environments Mm -hmm. to the point where they no longer effectively mate with medium or short hair dogs. Okay. Now, what's interesting is, although evolutionists claim that speciation takes long periods of time, millions of years, they are often amazed at just how fast species can be observed to form today. Wow. Speciation has been observed to, to occur in as little as a few years. Wow. As seen in guppies, lizards, finches, and mice, mice just to name a few. Finches yeah, are probably listen, the most popular. I, I'm familiar with the guppies because a friend of mine uh, breeds fish. And he told me how he's bred and come up with a new strain. That couldn't breed with the other ones. No, they don't breed back with their parents. They're a whole new breed now. Mm -hmm. But it takes, you know, a few years for that to happen. But it does happen just a few years of breeding. (laughs) But really, DJ, this observation wouldn't be a big surprise to the creationists. Think about it. As all species alive in the past and present would have been produced in, say, how long how old's the earth? Six to 7,000 years right. or so? And because they all come from the original created go- kinds that God put on the earth. In fact, creationists believe that such processes, as well as other genetic factors, would have occurred very rapidly after Noah's flood, producing variations within, in, within each created kind. Mm-hmm. And such effects are largely responsible for generating the tremendous diversity that we see today in the living world. It's also, yeah, exactly. It's animals and plants and everything else that's alive. Right. It's also very telling to know that speciation has never been observed to form an organism of a different kind, such as a dog species producing a cat. Wow, just think if you could do that. (laughs) I'm going to talk to your mom and see if we can breed our dogs to make a cat. We could be famous. <laughs> well, you'd, you'd prove evolution to be true if you did that. So you're saying speciation works only within its original kind. Exactly. Okay. And here's the problem then, DJ. Evolution requires natural selection 
and speciation, doesn't it? Exactly. But they believe that somehow through billions of years, it gives rise to some new kind from a former kind, somehow, some way. Now that's blind faith. That, it takes more faith to be a evolutionist than it does to be a Christian. At least we had the Bible. At least we have God's word. Right. Wow, that's, that's incredible. Because the truth is, speciation leads to, like we saw from the genetics we talked about, it leads to a loss of information, right? Not a gain of information, which would be required for evolution to work. Am I, am I, am I getting the right understanding right. of this? Yeah, because it's never been observed from, for speciation to occur from one kind to another. And so speciation as a possible outcome of natural selection simply cannot be used as a mechanism for Darwin's theories and molecules to man evolution. So you already said how the workings of what you, we know and the facts we know about and the facts we can observe of how natural selection works because it's still working today. Right. We see how that process yeah. works. That really doesn't support the molecules to man theory of evolution. Right. And now we just, you showed how speciation uh, brings out no information, just a change within the kind. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't fit the model that they need for the molecules to man evolution either. Right. Where does that leave evolution? So in conclusion, evolutionists... And biblical creationists view things very differently, don't they? And really, it all comes down to how we interpret the evidence, okay? That's the truth. Do we view natural selection using God's word as our foundation, as Edward Bly did? Right. Or do we use Charles Darwin's theories of evolution and the way he talked about nature, as our foundation. Mm. The choice is yours to make. But let me add this. The creationist view of natural selection is supported both scientifically as well as biblically. Right. And we, and so we believe here at Reborn Report that natural selection is a God-ordained process that allows organisms to survive in a post-sin, post-flood world. Right. It is an observable reality that occurs in the present and takes advantage of the variations within the kind. And it also works to preserve the genetic viability of that kind. We gave genetics of it, and we gave a real-life example of it. Simply put, the changes that are observed today show variation within the created kind. And it's a horizontal change, right? Mm -hmm. But for the molecules of man's evolution model, there must be a change from one kind into another. Like you said, it's never, it's never been seen. Right. No wonder they throw billions of years at it. And that would be a vertical change, right? Things going this way, forward, moving straight line. Yeah. And that's simply not observed. I guess that's why they throw billions and billions and billions a year at it. Right, DJ? Right. After all, anything can happen if you put enough time in it. I mean, yeah, but you'll run out of time eventually. Waiting for it to happen, yeah. right? <laughs> no, the truth is this. Science has never seen a bacterium 
something that small, give rise to something like a dog or a cat or any other organism for that matter. Instead, what science observes, the truth science, is variations from within each created kind. That's it. Well, and we've mentioned before that the genome of a bacterium is very small compared to ours. And right. we've said through this entire podcast. In our old podcast about evolution, right. we talked about yeah. that. And we said throughout this podcast that natural selection only decreases information. So how can we go from something with a small genome to something like us that has a much bigger genome? It just doesn't make sense. Give enough time. Yeah. Evolution then requires an increase in information that results in a directional progressive movement from molecules to man. Right. Natural selection cannot be a mechanism for evolution because it results in a decrease in information. Right. And it is not directional. Speciation may occur as a result of natural selection, mm -hmm. but it only occurs within a kind. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it is also not a mechanism for evolution, but rather it supports the biblical worldview model that, like we've, I said. that we've been talking about. Exactly. That's exactly right, DJ. Natural selection cannot be the driving force for the molecules to man evolution that Charles Darwin was so adamant about it when it simply does not have that kind of power. It doesn't do that. Nor should it be confused with the molecules to man theories of evolution. And I think that's what they've done. Mm -hmm. They've packaged it in the name of science. And people say, well, these are scientists. They know what they're talking about. And they package it all in the name of science. But natural selection is an observable phenomenon that preserves genetic viability and allows limited variation within a kind, nothing more, nothing less. And we believe that it's also a great confirmation of the Bible history, all the way back to Genesis. Apologetics, exactly. that we talk about. Yep. And it further proves that God is real and his word is true, doesn't it? Yep. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I think that just about wraps it up. Well, I think we just used natural selection, what it is, defined it very well. And we could see how the creationists use it along with um, genetic information. And they kind of stretch it. They kind of... You mean use, an evolutionist? Yeah, they use, yeah, I'm sorry. They use, evolutionists use uh, natural selection. If you go back to what you originally said and defined it, how the evolution defined it, they used Charles Darwin and he used his theories of evolution and, and natural selection as a driving factor to, to behind their, to make their things work. But natural selection doesn't do what they would need to do for evolution to be true. Right, yeah, Exactly. Like we said before, we believe things evolve, but natural selection is really shows how things evolve right. genetically. It is the process of how kinds evolve. Yeah, and it also shows how it never jumps ship. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't switch. A cat can never turn into a dog and a cow never turns into a horse. And monkeys don't turn into humans. And monkeys don't turn into humans. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Well, hey, listen, I hope this helps you uh, when you're thinking about, when you hear people talk about evolution. Or you're being taught it in school. and like, Yeah, and 
why isn't creation taught right along with, at least beside it? Give both sides. Teach creation too. But, you know, man is so adamant against, you know why they don't? And I tell you, I think why I think I know why. It's because if creation is true and God is responsible for this, then there's a trickle-down effect. God is now our creator. Mm-hmm. And the Bible would then would be true. And we owe our lives to him. And we need to live by his morals. Yeah, I was going to say, all rule, all man's law, all right and wrong, all any kind of morality would stem from our creator. And not from ourselves. The Bible. And man does not want to submit to God. Right. Man wants to be in charge of man. Because well, then man can change the rules right. as he wants. Exactly. And don't you see, isn't that what's happening in the world today? Yep. Moral relativism. We talked about yeah. that. A couple of podcasts back. Uh, especially, it, it, I tell you, it's happening all over the world, and I don't know what we're going to do about it. Well, I've, If Christians don't stand up and it, make a stance. You mentioned that why isn't creation being taught alongside evolution in schools? I think another reason for that is the devil works very hard in making yeah. sure people are uneducated about biblical truth. And I don't think our churches, I don't mean to criticize Christianity because I believe in it, but I believe in God, I believe in the Bible, and I think we need to get back to the basics. You know, teach a strong foundation, teach our kids, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, teach our kids uh, what happened and how we got here and what we're doing here and where we're going. Because if we don't, who's going to determine what's right and wrong? The Democrats or the Republicans? Okay, here we go. Donald, Donald Trump or Joe Biden? Donald Trump? <laughs> Nobody can agree on anything. Who's Donald? <laughs> Brother to Donald. Nobody can agree on anything. It's getting worse. I, I, maybe this is just a fad our country's going through, but it's happening all over the world. Okay. Well, okay. you got off topic. Okay. You're pretty good. <laughs> well, the reason we teach what we do is... We want to, we try to teach stuff to help people have a stronger faith, a stronger belief, give you some reasons why this is real and this is true with science. So you can answer people's questions when they come to you and ask tough questions exactly. that you don't exactly. have answers for previously. Exactly. Hopefully now you do. Well, thanks for watching. Or watching. 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 Thank you for watching. Why do you always pick on how that's, I that's, talk? Hey, that's watching and listening at the same it time. It is. You're it's a new it. word. Yeah. I've evolved. <laughs> <laughs> you speciated a new word. So uh, keep your comments coming. We appreciate your comments and your This questions. podcast also was a response to a comment. And we're looking for a sponsorship from Gatorade, Zero Gatorade, no sugar, no carbs, it's just flavored water. <laughs> so I'm not going to get a good sponsorship that I, way. I like it, though. I, I started drinking that Zero Gatorade, and I like it's it. It's got electrolytes in it. Yes, it does. It's good for you. Okay. I'm, I've never, I know you're supposed to drink a lot of water, but water is so... Oh. I'm drinking water right now. I know. H2O, when I, new way <laughs> to go. <laughs> when I drink water, I usually put a little lemon in it. But I like a little flavor. I'm sorry. Okay. Anyway... Thanks for joining us. Yeah, and we'll see you all. Thanks for watching. Oh, and guess what? Is it 
you're moving. I'm moving. Is it next week you're moving? Yep. So I'm not positive. Yeah, our schedule's going to be changing. Yeah, our schedule's going to be changing. DJ's moving about an hour away to be living with my daughter, his his sister. And, Thanks, uh, Heather. Going to, what's the name of the school? Lecon. In Erie, Pennsylvania. Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. And you're going to be commuti- commuting from Heather's house. You're going to be living at Heather's house and commuting from there to school. Mm-hmm. It was about half hour, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's a four-year program that they're squeezing into three years, so we don't know how much time you're going to have, but we're hopeful. You're not that far away. We hope that you can at least come home on Sundays, if not every week, every other week, so we can continue. We don't want to sacrifice our podcast. Right. We're going to try to at least have one every other week. Yeah. So if we don't post next week, it's because he's in the process of moving. We're not sure how that's all going to work yet. We're going to try, but we'll you'll keep your people posted on yeah. Facebook and right. stuff, right? Yep. So um, we we thank you for uh, watching and listening, and and this is important to us, um, and we hope you enjoy it. And please please let us know if you do. Just give us a comment of whether you think our podcast is helping you or not. And we even appreciate the comments that people leave that tell us we're out of our minds. Yeah, well, listen, if <laughs> listen, I will talk to somebody about God's word, but if somebody goes wants to debate stuff opinion then i'm not too interested in doing that right you know and although i want to be held accountable if i talk about something that is wrong biblically i expect somebody to hold me accountable well i hold you accountable with your speech (laughs) you do (laughs) (laughs) and listen i i should be getting my new teeth in about a month so hopefully that'll help me i've been almost a whole year without teeth and when I was sick and went through the problem, the health problems that I did, and God healed me of that, the, the, the side effect of that was it damaged my teeth, and they were all breaking off. And so I had to get them all removed, and we talked about that on one podcast. And so it's been a year, and now I'm finally all healed up. I had a couple surgeries, and um, so they're starting the process of getting my new teeth. So I'm going to be so handsome. Okay. <laughs> and I'll stop, hopefully I'll stop sounding like Sylvester the Cat. When I talk. Yeah, that'll be nice. (laughs) Okay, so thanks for watching and listening. We appreciate all of you. We appreciate your comments. We appreciate your viewership. And we'll see you all hopefully next year. Next year again. did it again. (laughs) Next week, right here on Reborn Report, where the word of God will get you all fired up. See ya. See ya.